I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. Wanda Sykes is a world-class comedian, a genuine legend. She won an Emmy for her writing on The Chris Rock Show. She's also earned accolades for her stand-up and for her work as an actor, with recurring roles on Blackish, Broad City, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. We just got word that Wanda will be starring in a special 90-minute live performance of All in the Family, the groundbreaking Norman Lear sitcom. It airs later this month on ABC. She's going to play Louise Jefferson. When we talked in 2016... We kick things off from one of our favorite Wanda recordings, 2009's I'ma Be Me. Isn't it funny that the only time your race or gender is questioned is when you're not a white man? <laughs> so I, think, I think white men, they get, they get upset, they get nervous. Like a minority or another race get, gets a little power. It makes them nervous because they scared that that race is going to do to them what they did to that race. They get nervous. So they start screaming, reverse racism. This is reverse racism. I'm like, wait a minute, in reverse racism, isn't that when a racist is nice to somebody else? Isn't that to other people? That's reverse racism. Like, what you're afraid of is called karma. Wanda Sykes, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the Why, show. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me. As we were playing that clip, you got this far-off look in your eye, like you were just visiting yourself from another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. I I do that. Why, it's it's hard to to listen, you know. Well, I, I guess it's not hard, but I, I go back and I'm like, wow, that was really good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, whew, that was solid. Okay. And and I and I you know, you always wanna do better. You wanna, you know, beat yourself. So uh I feel yeah. I feel like the gold standard for listening back to yourself on this show was one of the Pointer Sisters was in here and she just fully started singing along with herself. Oh wow. Just one hundred percent no shame, just like, yeah, this is a great song. Uh-huh. I'm gonna sing right now. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I wish I could do that. Sing, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not be live without yeah, shame. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Just sing. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you had to live without shame, it might be hard to be a stand up comedian. Would, you definitely you have to have some shame <laughs> to be a stand up comic. I think that's that's up top that's like in the top three, I think. Yeah. So you grew up in Virginia. What kind of Virginia did you grow up in? Um, country Virginia. You like, know, like in the in the woods. I, mean, I would say woods, but um, very rural and um, very segregated. I was the, you know, like the first, uh, not the the first, but I, I remember being in in second grade, and my um, teacher uh, was calling the role. And then when she got to me, you know, I was the only you know black kid in the in the class. She was like Wanda Sykes, and I raised my. She's like, Oh my God, I'm just so thrilled. You're the first colored girl I ever get to uh, get to talk to, uh, to teach. I'm like, You're the first colored girl, yeah. And and I thought it was like an honor. I'm like, Well, <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'm your first, and not realizing how horrible that was but yeah she was so excited that she got to teach a little colored girl you were you were a grown up when you started your career right yes yes i was a grown up i had benefits and uh you know a good job and everything i was working for the national security agency so yeah i you know i had a career 
As an um, international super mm-hmm. spy? I, I, I so wish it could have been that interesting. <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. But no, no. I was uh, just basically uh, buying things. I was a, a, a contractor, a, you know, contracting specialist. I think the problem is that if you had been an international super spy, even if you became a comic, that's automatically your hook. And it's real yes. limiting to be the super spy comic because um, there's not a lot you're allowed to talk you know about. What? And... Yeah, it is. But just think about it, though, because like comics, like what, what if Bob Hope, what if he were like a super spy? You know, think about all the countries he got to go to and places he performed. <laughs> what if he was real? The, the whole comedian thing was a, a ruse and he was really a, a spy. I mean, that yeah. is really putting in some work on your cover. Like, right. if you're right. Bob Hope. Like, yeah. Because Bob, yeah. Bob Hope was out there. You right. Know, he was hitting the boards but, but at 85. It. Yeah, but think about it. The comedy really wasn't that sharp. So maybe he was <laughs> doing <laughs> Like the reason, like, how is this guy this famous? I think if definitely if you're yeah. my generation, you grew up wondering why people liked Bob Hope. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it was a government sponsored initiative. A, yes. <laughs> All propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in a military family, right? Yes. Was yes. how was it the kind of military family that I imagine when I imagine a military family, like everybody no. is really serious and you have to do things in a specific way or no. that kind of thing? No, no, um, We were so not that family that my father, he um, never wanted us to live on base. We always lived off base. Um, and I, I think that was good. He, you know, he, he looked at it as the military, that was his job, it, you know, and so he would, he went to the, military base and did his job and he would come home and we had, you know, regular household. So. Did, he, did, did he, was he always around? Did, was he ever, you were born in the mid sixties. Was he, yeah. was he ever overseas or elsewhere? Um, he had some like times where he went away, but it wasn't for like a, uh, an extended period of time where we had to travel with him. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I look at other friends who, you know, are military families and, you know, they, they're off to Germany and Japan and, you know, all these, you know, Korea, all these crazy places. And um, we pretty much went from Virginia to Maryland and that was it. My dad did the rest of the traveling. But like I said, it, it, the most like six months was like the longest. I remember him going away. Was there an expectation that you would just have the kind of job that you get and you accrue seniority points and you get benefits and you are, you know, stable for the rest of your life? Um, well, that's, that's the way it should have, you know, played out. That I was on yeah, on that path of this is your career. And then I, I could have actually looked at the date that I, you know, could retire. And I, I just couldn't do it. I, I stayed there for about, oh, I think I worked at NSA for about five years, five, six years. And I was I was moving up. I was getting, you know, getting my promotions, you know, when they were expected. Um, but it, I just knew it just was not what I was supposed to be doing. Why not? Uh, I just wasn't into it. I'm, 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 a, I'm a pretty passionate person. And... The first few years I was into it, and then I was like, I, I don't like this. I, I don't even want to do it anymore. And I'm I'm no longer on top of things the way I should be. I knew I was doing a crappy job, and I was like, I got to get out of here because this, is, this isn't the place where you, you know, should be 
slacking off, you know, <laughs> and and also it, I would like look at my time card. And if I saw I had, you know, accumulated like four hours of leave, I would take it right then. I would go, I go hey, guys, I'm out. I'm, I'm <laughs> You're using your vacation I'm, days to I go am, to the movies. Yes, I would have to I would have to leave. Like I'm, I got to I got to get out of here. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Wanda Sykes. She's a veteran stand-up writer and actor. What was it like the first time you went on stage? It was, uh, it was like magical. It really was. Because, I, I, you know, I, I had no idea what I was about to subject myself to. You know, I, I hadn't been to a comedy club, so I hadn't seen, you know, th- how what things look like when they go wrong. Were you a comedy fan? I mean, did yeah. you have comedy records that you were listening yeah, to? Yeah, 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 all that stuff. But I just never, you know, had made it into a, a comedy club. Sometimes never, they're Yeah, the, never saw it live. They're just, the worst. Just on TV. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got on stage and I was so loose and had my material and I, I killed. I, I, you know, did great. And I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is it. You're really bold on stage. And I know some comics who are as bold on, in life as they are on stage. You know, I know outspoken mm-hmm. comics who are just, who will just, you know, you're just walking down the street and they'll tell you what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably know more bold comics who are very different on stage than they are in their life. And being on stage is kind of like, is kind of like in some ways the their ideal version of themselves or at least their most performative version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Which one is the case for you? I'm bold on stage. Uh... Off stage, I'm. I kind of. I want to say play by the rules, but I, you know, if if I uh, have a, uh, I'm like if if I have a a seat number, if I go to an event and this is my seat number, I, I have to sit in that seat. You know, I'm not the one that you know. Friends like, oh look, there, there's some seats down there. Let's go sit down there we're you know get a better seat. I'm like, oh no no no, I, I have to unless someone from the venue comes and tells me, hey, come down here, I will stay in in my seat. What do you do if somebody's in your seat? Uh, that I, I, yeah, I do ask them. I'd say, hey, hey, man, you know, in my seat, you know. One yeah. time I was at a concert with my mom. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a rap concert, and my mom was probably 60 years old at the time. And What uh, in the world are you doing with your mom, 60 years old? My mom likes, a rap? My mom likes rap music. I mean, she's okay. not like the number one rap fan in the world, okay. but she likes it, right. and you okay. know, she was happy right. to go with me. Oh, that's cool. And uh, she fully almost got in a fight with a lady in front of me. <laughs> Just wow. full on, almost a fit. And my mom's pretty big and tough. Uh-huh. Like, I think this lady was maybe in her late 20s. <laughs> And like, I feel like my mom could have took that lady because this this big tall lady just came and stood in front of my mom or something. I can't even remember what happened. Uh-huh. I don't even know oh, what was oh, going th- down. If the woman was like in her twenties and your mom's in her six, your mother would have whooped her butt. <laughs> I'm telling you, your mom would have. It's like it's like that old Richard Pryor joke. You know, I'm not gonna let you build a reputation on me. You know, your mother had everything. At stake. She's like, I'm not going to let some young girl beat my butt right now. No, I'm taking her down. Your mother, oh, my God. Your mother would have gave her such a, oh, a beating. Tell you. And in front of her son, oh, my gosh. That poor woman, she has no idea what she avoided that night. (laughs) Your mother would have abused her. (laughs) Um, At what point in your uh, 
stage career, did you feel like you were doing it right? Like you had found what you were supposed to be doing? Did it come right away or did it take a while? Um, yeah, definitely. It definitely took a while. Because before, you know, I, I always think all stand-up comics, uh, well, I'm not saying all. I hate when I use words like that. But most stand-up comics, they start off as giving you their their impression of what a stand-up comic is and what they do. You know, like, hey, I'm going to talk like this. Like, we all kind of like st- start out like Jerry Seinfeld, I think. <laughs> But yeah. in your case, yeah. it's a Jerry it's, Seinfeld it's, it's, yeah. who's the, doing the like a walking move. in place yeah. elbow move. Yeah, it's, it's this thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's that. You start off there, and then it's not until that you get confident and you have um, a, a, a point of view. Because first, first, it's about the just getting the cadence and the and the, the construction of okay, this is a joke, and I know how if I say things this way, it's funny. And then once you get, like I said, the confidence and the and the um, and the point of view, then you can start revealing a little bit more of, of yourself. Because at first, if you you know you bomb and you're just doing jokes, you, you can go, oh, people don't like this, didn't like my jokes. But if you start showing some of yourself, then it gets serious. It's like, oh my god, they don't like me. You know, they don't think I'm funny. So it, it it just takes a while. So once I got to the point where I'm doing jokes about me and this is just how I think and just putting it out there, that's when I I was like, oh, this okay. Now I'm I'm on the on the right path. This is this is what I I wanted to do, you know, because because the comics I love that's that's all they did. We have know? some uh, comedy from my guest Wanda Sykes from HBO in 1997, uh, 20 years ago now. Um, <laughs> And uh, this is this is Wanda talking about uh, why she's hesitant to have kids. I've been married for five years, man. Five years. I love being married. I do. Like being married. Five years, no kids yet. No kids. I don't know. Was it like that? I don't know. It's like once you have kids, that's a that's a lifelong decision. You in for life, you know. Once you have kids, man, it's just you and the kids. You just gotta look at them. And they look at you. And the kids, they know they own you. They know they have you. The kids, they just look at you like, you know what? I could hit in the head with my Tonka truck. What's she going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you, uh, did you at that time, do you think love being married? Uh, back then? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure I did. I got married, so yeah, <laughs> you know. But then again, I got divorced, so uh, I had good intentions. <laughs> did you think of yourself as being gay back then? No, no. Uh. Uh-uh. How did no. you think of yourself? A married straight woman. Did you have misgivings about it? Did, I guess what I'm asking is, do you feel like? was that about you not recognizing something in yourself or was that about something changing in you or, you know, something like that? I think it was, it was definitely about not recognizing something about myself. Yeah, totally, totally that. Cause I mean, you know, all those things, maybe when I was a kid, you know, it was there, but with you know, just the upbringing, everything you you just you gotta you know suppress that stuff. Did you feel? Like I mean, I mean just... you don't have to. I'm just saying back then that's what that's what I had to do. 
So and then you you know I was I was like okay so yeah okay yeah I'm, I'm into guys and just started dating guys and all along and uh, yeah and then you know get married and all and uh, but the, the problem was is that those relationships although yeah I felt like I was in love and you know got married and everything but the relationships there's just a, a, a certain place that I could only go to and after that it's. This well, this is about it f- for me, you know. Because I, I know, like, just about everyone, uh, every guy that I'd been with up to that point, they all said the same thing that, you know, I, I just feel like that I could walk out the door right now, and you wouldn't give a damn. And and I would just think in my mind, I was like, mm, you know what? He's kind of right. You know, <laughs> I would be okay. I I wouldn't I wouldn't miss a beat. I just Keep it moving. To what extent do you think that was about the fact that you were gay and you maybe just weren't as interested in romantic love with guys? Right. And how much was it about the fact that you were gay and and kind of protecting something about yourself and couldn't, you know, had a hard time in a relationship having the kind of openness with yourself and your partner that you needed to have? Um. I think it was I, th- I think it was it was more of the not really aware of the, you know yeah I guess it was it wasn't not not just not not knowing you know um and and then but but it was like okay wait a minute why am I why does this keep happening why you know especially after you know I tried marriage and all I'm, okay now wait a minute why is this why do I keep repeating myself? What what's going on? And it was uh, talking to people, uh, actually going to therapy. You know, um, I think like one night, uh, you know, drinking whatever, some girlfriends, and I probably tried to make a couple moves on you know a couple <laughs> a couple of the girls there, and it was like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, and it's like. Yeah, I probably should go talk to someone. And then it, that was after after that. And it was like, oh, so that's what's going on. Okay. So I said, okay, well, let me try this. And then once I did, it would it just, again, like comedy. Oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have, obviously, the, the greatest well of insight about this as a straight white dude myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if part of the challenge of it of like acknowledging and embracing that part of yourself is that you're already a black female comic and it's like really i'm going to open up a new front yeah yeah it's like do i need this too How, you know am i why do i do you need another reason to hate me why <laughs> you know <laughs> Really? You're just gonna go for the just go just three strikes. All right, come on, let's do it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of it was that too. It's the oh I I don't wanna deal with this. I mean, not just with strangers, but then with the family. I do not want to have this conversation with my parents. I don't yeah. Do you feel like it affected your work, um, either negatively previously or, or positively afterwards? Previously, I, I think I I alluded a couple times to the to uh, the fact that you know uh, that there could be 
could be some, you know, lesbian or or at least that I was very um, supportive of the gay community that was there. Um, but so, yeah, but yeah, I would say b- before it, it probably was a hindrance. It was it was, you know, I was holding back because the thing of, of being a, a really good comic is to just totally, you know, be vulnerable and expose yourself and, and you have no fear. So I, I think before, yeah, it it, it did it it was it, it was it was kind of like you know a little debilitating, but I but afterwards, man, it's just opened up, you know, everything. It's it's just like total freedom. I walk out there with just one purpose, and that's to you know do my best and make people laugh, and not having any other you know. Uh, you know, little fears or anything in the back of my head going, watch out, don't say that, don't say that, you know, so, yeah. More with Wanda Sykes still to come after a quick break. Stay with us. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Then, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com bullseye. Every day you wake up to that long to-do list. UpFirst gives you the latest news in about 10 minutes, so you feel all caught up on the world while catching up on your life. And hey, don't forget to walk the dog. <laughs> Listen to UpFirst every morning from NPR News. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. We all have wild ideas, but rarely do we get to see our wildest ideas come to life. Started by adventure journalist Shelby Stanger and brought to you by REI, Wild Ideas Worth Living is a podcast that explores everything from mindfulness in school to adventures in space, overcoming fear and learning how to unplug. Ideas that started big and wild and never stopped growing. Learn more or listen now. Search for Wild Ideas Worth Living. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is comedian, writer, and actress Wanda Sykes. We talked back in 2016. I want to play some uh, comedy from your special from 2003, Mm -hmm. Tongue Untied. Okay. My guest is Wanda Sykes. 
Um, so this is Wanda talking about a, a sitcom that was offered to her. Special, got my, got a show coming out, my own sitcom coming out. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it because it's, it's an it's a idea that I came up with. You know, and before you get to do a show that you want to do, you got to listen to all their bad ideas. <laughs> and they had a lot of bad ideas. You know, my agent would call me and she's like, uh, Wanda, you don't even want to hear this. I was like, no, tell me, what is it? She was like, all right. They want you to play a maid. And you win the lottery. But you love working for this family so much. You continue to be their maid. I said, set it up. I want to meet these people. So I can slap that dumbass idea right out their head. <laughs> when you when you came out, um, it was almost it, it was almost accidental, right? Like, not right. that you were not that you you figured that you would live uh, the kind of life where you do your thing and people know that need to know, and it's just not I, not a big part of your public identity. I thought I would live my life like most people live their lives, like just normal. Just I didn't, I, I yeah, I, I didn't go there with an agenda to hey, today is it? I'm gonna come out. Yeah. So how, what were the circumstances? Um, it was, I was in Vegas and I think I was playing at Planet Hollywood. Um, and it was the national day of protest, um, for the, against the, uh, the passage of, uh, Prop 8 here in California. So, um, I said, okay, guys, come on, everybody, we're, we're going to find out where the protest is here. Oh, it's at the game. Let's we said, okay, let's go over there and, you know, we're going to be there for the rally. So, we were there, and a couple of people, you know, recognized me and everything. So the woman who was the, the head of the Gay and Lesbian Center, she's given a speech, and she said, oh, you know, we have someone here with us, and she's been such a big supporter of the of the community, and uh, we want to thank her. And I'm looking around. I'm like, is Drew Barrymore more out here? Is, is it pink? Drew Barrymore? Who's out here? You know? And she said, so if, if she would come up and say a few words, that'd be great. And she goes, Wanda Sykes. And I'm like, oh. And then I was like, oh, hmm, okay, they think I'm a supporter of the community. They, they don't know I live in the community, you know. So I just, yeah, so I just went up and gave my speech. And next thing you know, before, you know, I uh, get back to my hotel room, uh, my phone is blowing up. And, you know, we just saw you on CNN. I'm like, what? And I called my publicist. I was like, uh, she was like, yep, yep, you're out. Good, great. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And that was it. It must be it, it must be a comfort to know that you can walk on stage and not feel like you are catching anyone on the wrong foot when you talk about anything about who you are. Mm-hmm. That you can just go up and be you, right? And people, you know, people know what they're getting mm-hmm. as a comic. Yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> early on though. I, I think a couple people didn't know. I, I think I did catch a couple people off guard because I, you know, would do a show and I, it was weird. I, I, I've kind of like garnered this this audience that comes from, I mean, which I love. They they they've become fans from different shows or you know. So there's a nice mixture. I have my Pootie Tang fans. You know, they're usually high. 
uh, <laughs> that I have, you know. <laughs> I, I happen to be yeah. straight edge, Wanda. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have, uh, you know, curb your enthusiasm, and then just people who've been with me through stand-up from the beginning, Chris Rock show, and yeah, I have this beautiful group of, of fans. So I, when I was going up earlier, right, right after I came out, and I'm talking about, you know, um, being married and and I would see people get up and and leave like oh you guys you guys didn't get the memo I'm sorry you know sorry about that whatever and you know so oh you're going so God won't send you to hell when you die is that it oh <laughs> uh, you know God thinks I'm funny but <laughs> all right you know I'm not gonna give you your money back by the way you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah well, I'm glad that you brought up Pootie Tang because I've just been waiting for an opportunity uh, to talk about it extensively. Okay. So basically, the along with the film Babe Pig in the City, probably the most important thing <laughs> on this program, uh, maybe a little bit of Wet Hot American Summer, but mostly it's just Pootie Tang talk on Bullseye. Okay. All right. Um, let's take a listen to my guest, Wanda Sykes, in Pootie Tang, which is like, if you've never seen Pootie Tang, first of all, you should watch Pootie Tang because uh, it's great. But it's kind of like a surreal tribute to black exploitation. the premise of which is that uh, Pootie Tang, the titular character, is so cool he doesn't actually have to use words. And Biggie Shorty, Wanda Sykes' character, is a streetwalker who is, uh, has a similar level of self-possession and coolness. And so in this scene, she's on the corner, she's dancing, which is like mm-hmm. the main thing she does, listen, right. listen to her Walkman and dance around on the corner. And a guy asks her, how much? Right. <laughs> huh? What you want? <laughs> you want something? Yeah, baby, I want it. What you want? How much you do the two of us? How much? Hey, baby, what's your problem? Just because a girl like to dress fancy and stand on the street corner near some whores, you automatically think she's hooking? Wouldn't you? Just likes to stand on the corner. Yeah. And, you know, dress fancy. <laughs> hang out with the whores. That's just their thing. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> one of the things that's so great to me about Pootie Tang, I mean, besides just this, it's just one of the funniest things, albeit a little bit of a mess, but oh. uh, a lot of a mess, but real funny. And uh, one of the things that's really great about it, it's something that it's rare that you get to see a comedy that is mostly African-American performers where they are being really silly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's you, you, when have you seen like a uh, uh, like black uh, Monty Python? Not saying that we were <laughs> Python at all. But yeah, I think that that was the beauty of it. It's it's uh, just stepping out of the out of the norm, you know, just. Why can't why can't we be silly? No, I mean I think it's you know if you if you want to talk about what white privilege is, mm-hmm. you know one of the big things is that you get to step out of the norm because there's just a lot of white people, <laughs> and you know when you're the main voice, you can you can be an alternative voice, and when you're fundamentally an alternative voice, 
because uh, there's just a lot less people whose skin right. is your color, then you don't get to do that. Exactly. <laughs> or it's a lot harder to get to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're black and you're doing comedy, you you better just be damn funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, well, I, can I explore this? Nope, nope. Stay in this lane. But the, the thing that I love about Biggie Shorty, as with Pootie Tang, but it is the, the self-possession that she has is mm-hmm. so extreme. Oh, yeah. It must have been just a thrill to get to oh, do. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. Yeah, I mean, she has such conviction and like, what the, I, yeah, she owned that. She <laughs> owned it. And that was so much fun doing that. Like, it's just great to just walk in a room and go, I'm right. <laughs> I am right. And there's nothing that you can say <laughs> that would make me think otherwise. What a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Wanda Sykes, I so appreciate you taking the time to be on Bullseye. Was, oh, thanks for having me. Genuine honor to have you on the show. So I admire your work. It. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Wanda Sykes, as we said before, she is going to star in a live tribute to Norman Lear's All in the Family later this month on ABC. She'll be performing alongside Woody Harrelson, Marissa Tomei, Jamie Foxx, and Will Ferrell, among others. You can watch it live on May 22nd. Wanda also has a handful of live shows coming up all over the country. We'll have a link to her tour dates on our website. Just go to the Bullseye page at MaximumFun.org. We've come to the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is recorded at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where there was caution tape up around the ramp that goes into the lake. And caution tape has been there for basically a week now. And uh, the question remains, who's trying to keep people off that boat ramp? I mean, I've basically never seen a boat in there. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien here at the office. Our production fellow at Max Fun is Jordan Cowling. Our interstitial music is by DJW, the great Dan Wally. Thanks to Dan for sharing it with us. He has a Pay What You Want album of some of his favorite beats that he's made for our show on Bandcamp. You can search for DJW or Dan Wally there. Our theme song is called Huddle Formation. It's by the band The Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And before I go, we have been making this show for a very long time, and there were a lot of great interviews. I was just thinking of how much I enjoyed talking to the late Harvey Peacock, creator of American Splendor and comics legend. He was basically the grumpy uncle that I never knew I needed. Uh, Sort of like David Crosby in that sense. You can search for Harvey Picar on Bullseye by going to our website at MaximumFun.org. You will also find many of our shows on our YouTube page. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. And you can find them on Facebook where you should like Bullseye with Jesse Thorne and join our Maximum Fun Facebook group for a lot of fun talk and dank memes. I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 